a question you probably have never been asked, but what was your first sin? What, what was your... Anybody know what your first sin was? You probably don't remember it, but you may know what it is. Once I tell you, you'll be like, oh yeah, of course. Before that. Before that. Before that. If you were like uh, most children, it's probably rooted in something called uh, selfishness. Jealousy. Envy. You know, that's mine. What's one of the first things that those who have children... You remember them learning to say after, uh, hopefully, mom and dad and grandpa, you know. Grandpa should be one of the first words, right? Uh, mine. Mine. No, parents say no. Kids say mine. And they say no when someone else is trying to take something from them. I want that. And so parents work really hard to socialize their kids out of this first sin. To try to get them to share. Right? I mean, isn't that one of the biggest things we we hope that our kids learn that they, they, they can share? Because when they go to their friend's house, it's just really embarrassing when they don't. You know, like when, when they're selfish and act like we... No. Uh, when they're... <clears throat> act childish. I was going to say act like we do, but, you know, when they're childish... Uh, it's just hard to see your kids doing that with their friends, with others. And so we work really hard to teach them to share, to care. Um, jealousy. Envy. Very similar concepts. Usually uh, in Scripture, sometimes in Scripture they're interchangeable. But they actually have somewhat different meanings. Let me tell you two stories to help you understand the difference. Jealousy. There was a... a some of you know about the tooth fairy, right? Okay, now I'm going to shoot the tooth, tooth fairy. I took care of Santa Claus already. You've heard of the tooth fairy? You still have that in your houses? All the younger kids are out, so... What's next, Easter? That, that's uh, Easter Sunday lunch. Uh, but there was a second grade girl that, that uh, was... Uh, she was, had lost a few teeth and... and uh, and her, 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 she'd put the, her tooth in an envelope under her pillow and, uh, at night, and when she'd wake up in the, in the morning, there'd be $2 in there. And so she had a, a, uh, a piggy bank where she would keep the, all the, the money that she was getting from the tooth fairy. $2 and $2 and $2 and $2, and she was pretty happy with that. I mean, after a while, you start running out of teeth and, and, and so forth, but, but, but it, it does add up, even $2 at a time. Um, so she was happy. She kept counting her money and, and thinking about what she could buy. One day she uh, went to a friend's house. And she was talking with her friend who had just lost a tooth. And her friend said, yeah, the tooth fairy came to our house and, and gave me $10 for my tooth. Well, this little girl went to her friend's mom and said, could you call my mom and tell her what tooth fairy you use? over here (laughs) suddenly two bucks for a tooth wasn't so great discontentment envy jealousy this case more jealousy of her friend who was getting something more than what she was envy is a little bit different envy is a little bit more like two shopkeepers that were bitter rivals they had shops across the street from each other they sold uh, very similar things uh, but they were very, very, uh, very much in competition with each other. And uh, so they would look out the window when they, weren't, they didn't have customers and they'd watch to see who was going into the other shop. And, and they kept track of everybody who went in and out of not only their shop but the other shop. And so if somebody that had been a client would go to the other person's shop, they'd get upset. If uh, they would see someone buying something at the other shop, they'd try to figure out, is it because the other shopkeeper is selling it for less? Maybe I can lower my price. I mean, there's that kind of rival, rivalry that basically both of them were living, you know, they... they they were living in each other's heads. Uh, they were living each other's lives, if you would. Well, one night an angel appeared to 
the one shopkeeper, and uh, said, uh, "Here, let me let, let me make a uh, a deal with you. I'll give you anything you ask, but whatever you receive, your rival will get twice what you get." So the shopkeeper thought, "A million dollars? No, rival gets two million. A new house? Oh no, then you get two houses." And he just went through a whole list of things that he would love to have. But every time he thought about it, the only thing he could think of was his rival would get two of them. Finally, he went back to the angel and said, okay, I got it. Strike me blind in one eye. So the shopkeeper across the street would be, there you go. That's envy. I thought I'd get more of a laugh out of that one. I think it might have hit a... It's awful. But that's jealousy. That's how awful jealousy is. Jealousy is, is, is doing things, hoping that someone else gets worse than you. It's rejoicing in their misfortune. It's being upset when they prosper. So why do we have so much trouble with jealousy and envy and selfishness when parents work so hard to socialize us out of those kinds of uh, behaviors? I mean, didn't our parents teach us better? At least we, they tried. See, jealousy is a disease. It's the it's not fair disease. It's the why him, not me. Why does someone else have it better than me? Why? And, and this spills over very quickly into things that have to do with, you know, let's talk about things that we talk about here, like God's favor. If you have God's favor on your life, you better just be aware of the fact that there's going to be a lot of jealousy coming at you. That's just part of it. Because that sin nature that gets triggered by people being favored, by people being prospered by people doing well God's favor see jealousy is feeling resentful or bitter or grudging envious covetous it's that feeling you get when your rival across the street sells more than you did when somebody else gets that job and you get passed over when a friend lives in a better house when a relative drives a better car when a neighbor has more money than you do it can wreck love even in marriage depending on uh, whether there's jealousy between husband and wife jealousy is wishing you had what someone else has Envy is wishing they didn't have it at all. Those are rough, rough feelings. And we need to be honest. If we stop and think about it, we deal with that in our lives. We have it ourselves and others have it toward us. And sometimes we recognize that others are jealous or envious of us. And, and we look at ourselves and we can't figure out why. And yet... We're also envious and jealous of others, and they can't figure out why either. The test, there's an easy test for this one. And I'm sure you've read these, uh, this, this scripture, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. That's the jealousy and envy test. Do you rejoice with those who rejoice when someone that is doing better than you actually gets something more before you get something more? Can you rejoice with that? Can you rejoice with those who prosper when you are not don't seem to be prospering? Can you rejoice with those who have God's favor on their lives in a different way or a greater way, uh, seemingly, than you do? Can you rejoice with them? Or does it trigger envy and jealousy? That's a test. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
Do you weep with those who weep? And here's a question about the weeping part of it. Why do you weep with those who weep? Sometimes it's easy because they just lost something and you're kind of inwardly happy that they did. And so you join in with their weeping. But inside, it's not necessarily weeping because you're sad for them. It's, ah, you see, life evens up. That's a pretty poor way of describing the human condition, isn't it? You all know what I'm talking about. There are people that I can share pretty openly with. The good stuff and the bad stuff. Because I know when something good happens, they're going to rejoice. They're going to be happy for me. And there are others that, honestly, which is as soon they not know about some things because they'll misunderstand it. This is part of, we'll get into this in a minute, but they'll misunderstand what it's all about. Rebecca and I travel uh, with the, uh, uh, our network, uh, with the international ministries, and we, we get around to a lot of different cool places. And you know, there, there are other things that go with it. It's work. That's just, that's part of what we do. Uh, it's my other part-time job. Uh, but we do travel. There are people that we just won't talk about places we've been to because they could never understand that this isn't just, oh, look, they're traveling again. They just went to this other place. Who do they think they are that they get to go all over the world? It's like, we don't need that in our lives. And so we just don't say anything around those folks. And you have the same kinds of things in your lives. Where the things that, when something really good happens, you get a raise, right? You get a really, really good raise. You get a new job that pays more and better hours. Okay, who do you tell? See, right, right, right there, you start the test. And who don't you tell? We have inside of ourselves uh, an innate nature of we, 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 can, we, we can discern this spirit of envy and jealousy we know it when we see it when we bump up against it and we adjust how we talk about things and who we talk about things what we say what we don't say a few weeks ago I had lunch with man who works with pastors. And we began talking about some things related to church and finance. That was his, his primary interest. And, and he actually said, well, how, how do you get along with the uh, business people in, in the church? I said, great. We sit, we talk. And they go, things go well. You know, they tell me. His face just fell. He said, like, they, they, they really tell you? I said, yeah. And when people have a job and they get a promotion, they tell me, they don't even tell me how much they're making. I said, it's exciting. And he just looked at me and he said, I never heard a pastor talk like that. I said, well, why not? We talked a little bit more and I just didn't take it very much further than that. But you see, it's so easy, even when we're in ministry, we care for people, for persons to look around and have harbor jealousy and envy. I mean, I love it when people prosper. I love to pray over people for God's favor. And when they receive God's favor, rejoice with them because, hey, it's good for them. I'm content with my life. I'm content where God has taken me. I'm content with the journey I've been on. I'm content with what I have. I've come to terms with what I don't have. I know God can provide. I know... But I'm content. And out of that contentment, it's easy to hear the good things and rejoice. It's a hard thing to... It's a hard thing to hear. But to recognize that there's this divide even sometimes in churches and actually it's probably more often than we would imagine. 
where we just aren't able to talk about God's favor and how it plays out in our lives because we're afraid of the spirit of envy, the spirit of jealousy, and how that comes back on us and, and the way that the, the, the reaction that people have and how they you know, begin to distance and, and, and criticize and gossip and make assumptions. It's like, it's crazy. You see, you go through the list from Peter to Paul and, uh, and you look at the list of things that they write about that are dishonoring of God, that are sinful in God's sight. And so much of that stuff has its root in envy and jealousy. Because envy and jealousy stir that stuff up and create that kind of strife and difficulty in relationships. There are so many relational issues of jealousy and envy in, in the Bible. It starts with Satan being jealous of God. That's the root of that one. Just go back to the very beginning. Satan. I, I, I'm jealous of him. I want to be number one. Why can't I be number one? I'm a much better worship leader than God. He can't even carry a tune in a bucket. I, I don't know if he can or not, but, but that's sort of the, the attitude that, that, that Satan, the worship leader, had. You know, Matt and I, we get along great. I love it when he worships, and he loves it when I preach. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> Just check it here, Matt. But then we go through, and we start reading these other stories. Cain, of his brother... Abel, because God's favor over Abel's offering. Or Rachel, of her sister Leah, because Leah had God's favor in having children. Her Joseph and his brothers, because Joseph had God's favor and received these dreams, prophetic dreams that God was indicating that great favor over him. To the point that he ended up with two tribes of Israel from his descendants, his brothers with one each. Saul of David because, well, David was more favored. Uh, And so many of these stories have to do with favor. The religious leaders. Remember the religious leaders uh, who delivered Jesus to death because, as we read in Matthew 27, they were jealous of him. That was a root cause of why the religious leaders delivered Jesus up to die. Herod, when he heard about a new king being born, Aaron and Miriam with, and, and, uh, with being jealous, envious of Moses, and all that ended up, they ended up with you know, leprosy, and crazy stuff. Jacob and Esau. Daniel. And the governors. Go to the book of Esther and read about Haman and Mordecai. Korah and Moses. I mean, you just go through all of these stories, and behind every one of those stories, there is a consistent issue. God poured out his favor on somebody. Somebody else was like, that's not fair. That's basically the storyline. You go, you could, you, you put that storyline in, you could teach from about, you know, just dozens and dozens and dozens of stories in Scripture because that's basically it. God poured out His favor. He poured out His favor on both, but He poured out more favor on one. The one who had lesser favor wasn't unhappy. That's just life, we might say. But I want to tell you, that's not the way life should be. That's not how God intends us to be. Just because someone else has greater favor in some ways than I do shouldn't distract me from the fact that I also have some favor. That God is pouring out some favor in my life. It's not that I'm greater, lesser or greater. It's just that's what God is pouring out in my life in this season. And how can I be content with that? And here's a secret that I've discovered. When you can be content 
with the favor that God is pouring out in your life at any given time. You're going to rejoice with those who rejoice because they have greater favor. They have more favor. See, when I see someone else with greater favor receiving more favor, I get excited because I know there's even more favor than what I have and I can receive that as well. And if I don't, bless God, I'm still content. That's also why I can weep with those who weep because when someone loses something that's important, It hurts me. I don't want people to lose what is important to them. I don't want people to lose what is valuable to them. I want what's best for them. I want to have the heart of God. See, that's God's heart. To pour out favor. To prosper. To help us have that which has been lost. It's a whole could teach for weeks on on the Old Testament uh, uh, laws about when something is lost, when something is stolen, how that must be returned and all that. God has that well worked out. He doesn't just let us lose stuff to lose stuff. Except sometimes we just don't want it back. We just throw up our hands and say, forget this. See, most fights and quarrels and strife in life Most fights and quarrels and strife in the Bible come from jealousy and envy. And there's no way to get around this one. There is a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of envy that gives, it it comes into our lives from the time we're born. The first sin. It's mine. I don't want to share. I don't want someone to have something I don't have. And no matter how much we try to socialize our children out of that, until we learn contentment, until we learn to truly rejoice with those who are being more favored, we're never going to be able to get a handle on this one. You see, most people do not want to admit to being jealous or envious. If I were to ask someone, are you jealous? Are you envious? I mean, that's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever asked someone that question. If you ask someone, what's the first thing they're going to answer? Now, today, oh, yeah, you know, after today, uh, especially Evangeline, she'll call us on that. <laughs> All right? I mean, she listens. So, Carla, if, 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 if you ask someone, are you jealous or envious? You, you, you got, you got, uh, I, I like you, Evangeline. <laughs> what? You're, you're, <laughs> Hello, jealous sister jealousy here, huh? All right. But if you were to ask someone, not, not that was sitting here today, but just go to work. And ask somebody, uh, something comes up, I say, well, uh, are, you, are you jealous? Have you ever heard someone, can you imagine someone saying, well, yeah, of course I am. No. Are you envious? Yeah. We'll deny that all day long. Well, deny it because there is just plain no way to make that look good. We can be jealous, we can be envious, but there's no way to make our saying, declaring that we are, look good. And so we deny it. We say we're not. Because jealousy and envious, uh, envy uh, involve rejoicing over the misfortunes and failures of others. That's the end result. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for. Deep down, envy and jealousy desire that. They hurt me. I want them to hurt worse than I hurt. Right? How many times have we struggled with that one? Peter identifies envy, envy in the same line as hypocrisy and evil speaking. 1 Peter 2.1 Therefore, he says, laying aside all malice. This is one of those lists that I mentioned earlier. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. He's just making a list of things that are similar. That's kind of rugged, isn't it? When somebody's jealous or envious of you, let's just turn this around because we know we are of others, but When someone is jealous of us or envious of us, and they begin that cycle of, why them, why not me? And they begin to allow that root to grow in their lives, and, and it begins to disrupt and destroy the relationship. 
There's nothing that you can do to make things better in that relationship. Even if you had great misfortune that they would rejoice over, it's still not going to put things in a good place. You see, until those persons can find contentment in their lives, there is no way that those who are jealous and envious of us are ever going to be able to come to terms with the fact that God's blessing is on us, that God's favor is on us, and that that's an awesome thing for us. I think we tend to rank ourselves in levels of God's favor and God's blessing. But most of us tend to do that based on others that we perceive to be more blessed, to be more favored. Others do the same, and we end up being in the category more blessed and more favored. And very few people that I know would look around and think of themselves as being that awesomely favored and blessed. Unless they found contentment. Honestly, I feel greatly favored. I feel greatly blessed. Life is good. Remember last week? God is good. Life is good. All right. Rebecca's mom almost died. We had to put her in a nursing home that she didn't want to go to. Uh, we've got all kinds of family issues on both sides that we're sorting through. Some based related to her mom. Others related to other things on my side. We have, you know, I could just go down a list of things that are tough in life. But God is good. Life is good. I like to wake up in the morning. I like to wake up in the morning and, yeah, a cup of coffee. Life is good. Get up in the morning and I, I bring a cup of coffee to Rebecca. Life is good. We get a little chance during the day and, 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 and if she's, uh, she, right now, this month she's spending... Uh, the middle part of the week taking care of our grandson in, in, in Washington and FaceTime with my grandson life is good I'll FaceTime with her too life is good uh, life is good are there is there more that we'd like oh yeah and when we pray we ask God for all of it but in the meantime life is good and so when I hear others and God's breaking through and there's good stuff happening in others' lives, it gets me excited because I see how God works in people's lives. It gets me excited because I can see how God's favor is poured out on people. It gets me excited because I want to get in line for some of that too. That's a big difference between contentment and jealousy and envy. But nothing that you do when that cycle of envy and jealousy gets rolling against you there's nothing that you can do even having great misfortune that's going to make things better unless those who harbor that envy and jealousy toward you find contentment somehow Proverbs 27, 4, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Jealousy is such a powerful force. Nobody can withstand that. Jealousy and envy create confusion and open doors to all kinds of evil spirits, all kinds of bad things. It just opens the doors and stuff pours into our lives through that jealousy and envy door. For where envy and self-seeking exist, James writes in chapter 3, confusion and every evil thing are there. We begin to open that door. Next thing you know, things begin to grow in our lives like control and insecurity and shame and rage and broken relationships and bitterness and grudges and assigning wrong motives to others. And you know, the list just goes on and on. And again, I refer you to the sin, list of sins that Paul and Peter both write. The Ten Commandments give special mention to jealousy and envy. calls it covetousness. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You know, it's not just enough to say, don't covet. When it comes to killing people, it just says, don't kill. Don't commit murder, depending on what version you have, what translation. 
But God needs to go and try to describe this one a little bit more. He says, don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's wife or husband. Don't covet his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why do you think God had to go into so much detail? Because we look for loopholes. Why them, not me? And that why them, not me, is always one of looking for fairness, of looking for justice, of looking for loopholes, of trying to figure out why, why, why. You see, God isn't interested in the why. He's interested in the blessing. He's interested in the blessing. And if God chooses to bless me with five and someone else with ten, bless God. Content with five. If He chooses to bless me with one instead of five, bless God. There's something about contentment. And as we're content with what God's blessing has been, there's more that's poured into our lives. I'm convinced that sometimes we put a lid on the amount of God's favor that we can receive. We put a lid on the amount of God's blessing. We put a lid on the amount of God's provision that we can receive because of envy and jealousy. We put a lid on it. God wants to pour it into us, but we put a lid on it because of that. Here's a story I want to uh, go through briefly here. It's a story of David and Saul. A man who had everything. Saul, king. He had everything, including jealousy. David was having great success on the battlefield. And there was a popular song of the day. And we picked that up in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 18. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now Saul was the king. He was David's father-in-law. He was the commander of the army. If David killed 10,000, it was to Saul's credit. If David killed 10,000, it was my son-in-law is doing well. I mean, wouldn't you feel that way or should feel that way? However, he has jealousy. And this made Saul very angry. You see, when others prosper, when others receive God's favor, jealousy turns our response to anger rather than contentment and joy. Remember, rejoice with those who rejoice. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands, me with only thousands. Next they'll be making him their king. And jealousy begins to multiply things in our heads. What we think was wrong becomes even worse. What we think we were treated wrongly becomes even more wrong. It just grows. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous, or other translations would say suspicious, eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. Now, now, you say, well, why would God put a tormenting spirit on Saul? Just, just watch the context of how this thing came on Saul. A tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. What was going on? David was playing the harp as he did each day. Jealousy and envy become a torment when we try to worship God. It's impossible to truly worship God with envy and jealousy in our lives because all we feel is torment. It's not necessarily God sent a spirit of torment on Saul. It was that Saul was in a setting where there was worship going on and because of the jealousy he had, because of the envy that he had, that's where it comes from. Torment. Think of heaven and hell. Hell's a place of torment. And what's the greatest torment that's going to be going on in hell? It's because of all the people there are going to be, their, their, their lives have been rooted in jealousy and envy. And they'll be there and they're going to be able to hear the worship going on. See, that's 
the same torment. It's the same torment. But Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. He kept going back for more. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men. And David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. God's favor, God's anointing, God's blessing, God's provision. He just kept mounting more and more and more and more. David was content enough, self-secure enough, that even after getting a spear hurled at him, he went back in to play the harp again and lead some more worship. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. You see, when we have, the, when we have this jealousy, we have this envy, we overreact to situations. We become blinded with jealousy like Saul was. Jealousy is when we resent God's favor in others' lives and ignore God's favor in our own. It's as though we, it's an all or nothing way of seeing things. Someone else has favor, then I must not have it because I have less. It's not all or nothing. It's not all or nothing. It's what we've been able to receive up to now. And God wants to pour out more. Just be content. Wait on the Lord. Let Him do this. Let Him pour it out. Jealousy and envy make you miserable. Make Saul angry, paranoid, fearful. See, jealousy hears everything and interprets the words to Try to gain control of the situation. Here's rumors, increases of rumors, adds to the rumors, adds to the way they view things in a negative way. Feeds suspicion. Jealousy and envy ruins relationships. I mean, here Saul has this incredible son-in-law. I mean, for those of you who have daughters... You know, no, no guy's going to be good enough. Right, Mark? No guy's going to be good enough. However, I was going to say, if someone came along, some are better than others. If, if, if you got one that killed 10,000, I, I, I guess that's the wrong way to go. <laughs> but if there's someone who came along with great favor of God on his life, wouldn't you be proud? I mean, wouldn't you be proud? You should be. It'd be an awesome thing to have. You re- rejoice in that, but Saul couldn't deal with a son-in-law that should have made him proud because he had an all-or-nothing view of life. Either I get it all, or it's nothing. Jealousy and envy ruin relationships. We read here in verse 9 that Saul looked at David with suspicion from then on. And it made Saul try to hurt David. Jealousy and envy make it impossible to worship God. Remember the part about the torment? When you're in full bloom with envy or jealousy. Try to worship God. And see how you feel. Contentment can evaporate in an instant to jealousy and envy. It doesn't take much. There was a man who graduated from high school and 20 years later went back to a reunion. He was content with life. He had a wonderful family, a great job, adequate income, had annual vacations, and, and, and things looked really, really good for him. He went to his class reunion. And he gets there and he starts meeting all his old buddies and he discovers that they have better jobs and the family seem to be doing better and their kids are doing better in better schools and, and, and they have you know better stuff. And, and, and by the time he finishes the evening of his 20th high school reunion, he's no longer content. Contentment can disappear like that. And if we don't have our minds where they need to be and you hang out with people who have God's favor, 
or even like in a 20th year reunion. I don't know how many have gone to reunions, but they're all lies. So it's not, you know, you're not comparing apples and oranges, apples with apples anyway. They're all lying about what their life, how good their life is. But even when they're lying about how good their lives are, if your mind isn't in a good place, contentment can disappear in an instant. How to deal with jealousy and envy. Number one, admit you struggle with jealousy and envy. It's just, it's just be honest. I deal with jealousy. I deal with envy. It does come on me from time to time. I need to recognize when it's happening. Because if I don't, it's going to overwhelm me and it's not going to be good for me or anyone around me. James says it, but if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfishness, don't brag or lie to cover up the truth. Just admit it. Number two, be thankful for for what you have. Remember, life is good. God is good. In everything, give thanks, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Enjoy the blessings that you have. Don't miss out on the blessings that you have just because you don't have the same blessings that somebody else does. And yet so often we miss out on the best in life because we are jealous or envious of someone else that we think has more. What a waste. Number three, go out of your way to rejoice with those who rejoice. Make a point to pray for favor for those who you believe are already highly favored. Celebrate their success. Don't compare. Celebrate their success. And so when I start feeling some envy or jealousy, I just stop myself and I just say, Lord, bless them with more. More favor, Lord. More breakthrough. More provision. Bless them, Lord. You know, do that happens between, especially in relationships that have gone sour, relationships that or you feel left out, or relationships. Uh, It often happens in those kinds of relationships. And it's hard to bless those who curse you. And yet, once you get caught up in that, it's hard to back out of it. Put a stop to it. Don't go there. Jealousy is especially destructive because it is an emotion that only God can handle. See, the Bible says, in Exodus 25, 20 verse 5, part of the Ten Commandments. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. You see, that's not our role. We're not in a position to say everything is the way God does. We're not in a position to have exclusive relationships with everybody around us like God does. That's a very different thing. God can handle that. He's God. It's a different role. It's a different relationship with us than we have with each other. And so we just need to let that one alone. It's often felt in relation to those we love the most. Or those we wish loved us more. Sometimes jealousy and envy have to do with our wanting people who we don't think are caring enough about us to care more. And here's the deal. It's going to make it worse. It's just going to make it worse. When people do that with you, it makes it worse. When we do it with others, the same. And one more thing. It keeps us from being content with God's blessings. It robs us of a thankful heart. It puts us at odds with God himself who pours out favor, who provides. All that we have belongs to God. Everything that we have is because of God's favor and God's provision. And I can imagine when we start to get envious. 
When we start to get jealous because we don't think we have what others have, because we don't think we have been treated fairly in life because of whatever reason. God kind of stands there looking at us like, all that you have is from my hand. I keep trying to give you more. What's up with you? Relax for a change. It says this is not a zero end game. It's not that an all or nothing. It's not like a pie that only has so many pieces to it. God says, I got so many other pies back here. Don't worry about it. Get your eyes off of those that you feel have been treated better, have received more favor. Just start reading through some of these stories in the Bible. Don't let that get under your skin. Be content. Be content. Because all that we have has come from the hand of God and all that comes from God, there's always more available. I'm not talking about easy street. I'm not talking about having everything that you want. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm just talking about contentment and being in a place where God's favor truly can go before us and His glory can be our rear guard. All of us are in different parts of a journey on this earth. All of us have different parts of a journey and what sets us apart from everyone else is a possibility the promise of God's favor going before us so that his provision can be adequate so that we can be content during any part of that journey no matter what life throws at us. There have been days, even recently, where Rebecca and I have looked at each other. Just unbearable stuff. And we look at each other and, and it's like, oh, you know, what will tomorrow bring? What have you heard from? What's going on with? Family at a distance adds complications. And then we take a deep breath and we look at each other and we say some simple words. Doesn't matter what life throws at us. As long as we have each other to walk through it, we're in a good place. I also know this. If for some reason something would happen to Rebecca or me, no matter what life would throw at us, at her or me, say we've got God. His favor goes before us. No matter what the journey looks like. And because of that, we can be content. Stand and I want to bless you this morning as the worship team comes up. Lord, I thank you that you desire to pour out your favor on each one of us. Lord, sometimes the journey seems so tough. And we confess, Lord, that sometimes during the tough parts of the journey we look around and we see others who seem to have an easier journey confess that Lord forgive us I pray Lord that you would help us put our eyes on you that fix our eyes on you the author 
and finisher of this journey. Lord, I pray that you would give us great contentment as we recognize that your favor that does go before us. Give us contentment, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we walk in that level of favor you have given us, that you will teach us to step into greater favor. In the name of Jesus, I bless you this morning with a level of favor that you need for this stage of your journey. God's favor, God's provision. Full scholarships. Awesome stuff. And I bless you with God's favor and provision for this part of your journey, not for someone else's stage of their journey, but for your stage of your journey. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with great contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so this morning, Lord, we declare, we confess and we declare that we are content with your favor in our lives. We are content with your provision. And we ask, Lord, that you would teach us to walk in your favor in ways that prepare us for the favor that's needed as we move along in this journey of life. declare this over each one of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, let's rather than have the prayer team come up, let's just worship together. It's a great God that we have. It's an amazing God. And God is pouring out favor on our lives. Let's worship Him and let's enjoy that worship doesn't stir torment.